officially open. This is draft season. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Tony Pulling, as always, is with us, and now we're joined by the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He is Jim Nagy. Jim, how are you, man? It's good to see you. Uh, good to see you, too, John. It's all brought to you by, of course, Tommy Hilfiger at PVH Brand, an official partner of the New York Giants. Go ahead, Tone. Jim, pleasure to be with you. And I got to tell all my viewers, Jim Nagy will always be my hero. And why? Because back in January of 2021, when the world was locked down and here in the Northeast, you basically needed a permission slip <laughs> to walk off your, uh, off your property. Jim Nagy and his team at the Senior Bowl found a way to basically get the Senior Bowl run. And we got everything in, Jim, those three days when everything was locked down. And the NFL was in the process of uh, canceling the combine. We had all three days of practice. We got to speak with the players, granted at a distance, the game went off. And really, uh, I think Jim Nagy and, and his, his staff at the Senior Bowl showed the world, you know, the way it could be done. And I remember you putting out a tweet. I think you said there was like 3,300 COVID tests and it was just one positive. Yeah, <clears throat> Tony, thanks for thanks for bringing up. Uh, it was uh, no, actually really, really uh, proud of the team that year. We had, I think we had a really good plan. It was like 3,600 tests. Um, one player uh, positive on the second day he was down here, and that was it. Uh, no one from the NFL, no one from our support staff. And, again, we had to kind of strip everything away that year and just do practices in the game, none of the other stuff we like to do during Senior Bowl week. But, uh, yeah, and that was a, uh, you know, that was a really good experience. I, I do remember, though, like um, a week before the game, I looked at my wife one night at home. We were having dinner. I'm like, what did I do? Like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> Like this is starting to get, you know, it starts to get real the closer you get. Like through the fall, I'm like, we're having this, we're having this, we got a, we, we got a good plan. And then you get like a week out, and you're like, oh my god, what this could go so wrong. But uh, thank God it didn't. And, and and really for those players, really that whole year was about um, the players and the teams. Like I just couldn't imagine being in at the time like like Gettleman shoes, you know, like being a GM and having to go through a draft process where you didn't get any face to face interaction with players. Like I just I don't know how they would have done that. So, yeah, yeah, I feel, feel fortunate we, we pulled it off that year. You know, and when you talk about players, I, I look at this year's roster and I, I, I find it very gratifying. And I find it gratifying because, for two reasons. Number one, I see a lot of guys listed at positions other than what they played in college. I see a lot of 240-pound, 235-pound college defensive ends all of a sudden listed at linebacker. And the other thing that I absolutely love is there are a lot of guys who are going to be at the senior ball who – were productive players for two and three years at college, yet coming into the season, they were dis dismissed or ignored by scouts. They're not talked about in the draft Twitter world. And now they're going to be at the Senior Bowl, basically showing their wares at the biggest scouting uh, event prior to the draft. Uh, yeah, you know, Tony, the key is always getting the best players down here. So like what you're saying with that edge crew, uh, you know, some of the guys like the Will McDonald's, who's going to be 240-ish, Andre Carter, um, some of those guys fall in that category. We're just trying to bring the best players. You got to fit them somewhere. Um, and from a body type perspective, they're, they're really more outside linebackers than they are true edge players until they put on 15 or 20 pounds. So um, it's all about showcasing what they are as athletes. I mean, that's what they can do in a scheme that's, that wasn't asked of them in college. I think that's a big for, thing for any all-star game is letting guys show something maybe they weren't able to show in college. And then um, you know, everyone wants to see movement. Evaluators want to see movement. So getting some of these guys that have only been going forward their whole career. And again, 
of course, we're going to put him in one-on-one pass rush, but to maybe see him go backwards and take some, to, you yeah. know, see him drop, um, see him run seams with tight ends. Um, I think it's beneficial for everybody. Jim, I got to ask you, well, go ahead, Tom. I got to ask you, was it more difficult to construct a roster this year than in previous years when you look at the fact NIL, so many seniors going back for second senior seasons? I mean, the middle rounds of this year's draft were basically gutted. Uh, yeah. Situations where you, this year, especially in bowl games, we had so many, there were so many players who were late round, even free agent types, sit the ball game out because they want to prepare for the draft. Where in the past, it was basically maybe first or second round prospects who would sit out the bowl game. Did you find yourself in a situation where maybe you had to fill a roster spot two or three times because guys kept pulling out or guys that you wanted? decide, no, I'm, I'm not going to play in the senior bowl this year or going back to school, maybe even. Well, it's a great question, Tony. I'd say that the, the position that you felt it most was quarterback. Um, when we started the year, I'm kind of cheating on you. I'm looking over at our board right now. And that quarterback stack was just, it was, it was, it was so full. I mean, there was a, there was a million of them. Um, and just in particular, our game, you got like Keaton Slovis, we offered an invite to not only did he, go back to school he transfers you know from Pitt to BYU I mean that's that's kind of odd right um and then you can just go up and down the list of these guys that are you know the the Devin Leary's the Brennan Armstrong like guys that were projected you know draftable quarterbacks going into the year for whatever Sam Hartman for whatever reason like maybe didn't have the years they wanted to have and now they're they're going back and they're transferring. I mean, it's going to be crazy next year trying to track all these guys. I can't wait to get through this extra COVID year stuff because that's what really complicates it. Um, I think in the long run, the NIL is going to be good for all-star games because it will keep some of these guys in school longer. Um, I think a lot of guys in, in, in the past, you know, maybe prematurely jumped to the pros because they had a financial need, a family need that they need to needed to address and felt like the NFL was, Pat, was the best path to do it. Now with NIL money, maybe they can, you know, keep some things uh, good on the home front while they finish out their careers. So, yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely a different year. Um, one particular position, like you asked about, uh, was defensive line. We lost three D linemen in one day. Uh, Fabian Lovett, the D tackle from Florida State, went back, and then uh, two Clemson guys, Ruka Rororo and Tyler Davis, both yeah. decided to go back on the same day. So. I mean, you've been around all-star landscapes, man. You're sitting there. You feel like you got your position. That position group's in a good spot, and then it, immediately, boom! Three interior guys go down, and you're you're uh, you're left scrambling a little bit. Hey, the good news is that they'll be back. I mean, they're going back to school. That's, they'll be seniors next year. So I agree. Right. I, I I think it's definitely going to help you long term, Jim. I think it'll help you for sure. New way you guys are doing the coaches this year. We don't just have two staffs. You have a bunch of guys from different teams coming together. Explain to us how that's going to work, Jim. You know, practice structure. How has it been working? Assigning players to different coaches and the rosters. How has this whole new way of doing things really impacted uh, your couple weeks heading into the game? And and how is it going to look differently when we're out there watching practice? Yeah, it's uh, you know when I got the call over the summer about the coaching change, I I'm not going to lie, like wasn't real happy at all. We've had the same coaching format for 73 years. Um, it's worked really well, but, uh, the more we've gone through the fall and the more I've thought about it, I think, I think both setups are, are good. Um, but I like this year. So we're going to have 16 teams represented behind the scenes at the recent senior bowl. So, and all those teams are drafted in the top half of the draft. So, um, our players are going to be exposed to that many more, uh, coaches and, and guys that are part of the decision-making crew. So 
Um, you know, from an op I really it's, it's it created extra work from just from a, a operational standpoint, a logistics standpoint. You got 30 coaches coming in from 16 different clubs. Um, not many people know this, but the NFL trainers pulled out of all all-star games last year. So they will no longer cover. We're really lucky that we've got the Andrews Institute with Dr. James Andrews kind of right in our backyard here in Pensacola. So they came on. We have a partnership deal with, with the Andrews Institute to do the training, uh, like our video stuff. Like it's usually turnkey when you have the two coaches, they bring the entire operation. They load up, they get on a charter, they come, um, you know, but this year, even with the video, we've got video guys from the Bucks and the Jags and the Titans all coming in separately. So there's just a lot of balls in the air right now. So to pull it all together really quick, we've, we've done multiple zoom calls with both coaching staffs, kind of set the expectation for the week and, now kind of letting those head coaches, Luke Getze from the Bears, their offensive coordinator, and Patrick Graham from the Raiders, their defensive coordinator, um, guys that are kind of, you know, I think Pat's already had some head coaching interviews. I think Luke's on the cusp of doing that. But now it's them. I, I told those guys, like, this is your show now. We're, we're going to be here to support you and do everything we can as a senior bowl staff to, to set you up for success during the week. But I do, do not want to micromanage those head coaches. I want the the practice script, everything, um, the way they want to lay out the week to, to be from them. I mean, because this is, frankly, a great audition for the head coaches. It's a great audition for these younger coaches that are getting, a, you know, put up a level. Uh, they're co coaching up, if you will. Um, so it's a big week for all those guys. I'm actually, you know, anytime you go through something the first time, it's, it can be there's a little anxiety wrapped into that. Uh, but I'm actually really excited to, to, to bring this group together. We're going to have a big dinner on Saturday night. Um, the day, the night before player arrival and, and going to be about 40 of us, um, uh, should be a really fun time. Tony, why don't you lead us off with a quarterback from, from maybe I think a school that everyone knows and loves, and it's just a powerhouse in the country. Yeah. That would be Shepard, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> that can be found someplace in the state of West Virginia. Yeah. I mean, Tyson Badgett, I mean, one good story, I guess father is a, uh, a world champion arm wrestler. I mean, the only people who remember arm wrestling are those of us who remember Wide World of Sports when it was on, uh, well, on Wide World of Sports. But, you know, you get, get a guy like Badgett, who I believe this is his second senior season, could have entered the draft last year, decides to go back for another year. Big, strong arm guy. Accuracy or pass placement is a bit of a concern for me. What do you think Badgett has to do senior bowl week to really elevate his draft stock? Yeah, Tony, that's a good question. I, I would say uh, accuracy is, is one. But with one thing I do like, Tony, that he can layer the football down the field. I mean, he does a really nice job of that. Um, he kind of reminds me of Romo when I did Romo coming out of Eastern Illinois because he can he can run around and make things happen. All-time record holder for touchdown passes at all levels of college football. Uh, like you said, he went back this year and he actually jumped in the portal um, and had offers from West Virginia and Maryland. So he could he could have jumped up. I think uh, – you know, we, we do the in-person invites now with some of the small school guys. And so I, I took the trip to Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And uh, he told me, he's like, Jim, if I would have gotten an offer from one of the Blue Blood programs of a USC and Notre Dame, I think those are two of the schools he mentioned, um, he might have left. But when he didn't get those, he decided to run it back with his teammates and try to win a national title. And un unfortunately, they they fell a game short. Um, they lost in the semis. But, you know, Tyson's 6'3", 6031. He's 220 pounds. Um, you know, any throw, I saw him at the Manning camp. I spent a few days at the Manning camp with him and, um, he definitely throws it good enough. There's no question about arm strength. So, uh, it'll be a big week. You know, the, there hasn't been a D2 quarterback drafted since 99, I believe is the year. Um, Chris Grayson, I think was the last D2 guy taken. Um, you know, but we don't invite anyone to the senior bowl. We don't think it's going to get drafted. It doesn't always work out that way. Um, 
but I wouldn't have invited him if I didn't, if we didn't see a draftable player. And if, if really the, the overwhelming support of the league was that he wasn't going to be drafted. And, and we do, we do these posts over the summer on our social media, the small school Saturday posts kind of trying to profile some of the FCS guys in lower. And, and the one week in June, when I, when I put Tyson on there within an hour, I had four or five buddies from the NFL text me like, Hey man, that's, that's my guy. Keep, you know, keep him quiet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some guys thought he, he could be like this year's Bailey Zappi was what a couple other guys thought. So uh, more than one guy shot me back that this guy could be this year's Zappi. So excited to get Tyson down here. And you guys brought up his dad. I uh, met his dad a couple of times and and you will probably meet him if you're down here in Mobile. Like he, he's the type of guy like he's going to meet everybody. He's got a huge personality. Uh, great dude. I can't wait to get him down here. So um, I will not arm wrestle him, but it's going to be good. To, it's going to be good to have him in Mobile. One thing right, I want to jump to one. If you can just explain when you say he layers the football, just for the people watching, just explain what that means exactly. Yeah, he just he has a really nice feel for tra trajectory to different levels because you, you can't throw, you know, you got to throw at different trajectory points to different levels of the field. And he's got a really nice feel for throwing over coverage, I guess, is the best way of, of saying that. Um, and that's that's sometimes that that's hard to learn, you know, yeah. so that's to me. To me, that's a little bit of an innate quality at the position. Um, he does a nice job of that. All right, I want to jump over to Clayton Toon out of Houston, Jim. Boy, talk about a gunslinger. This guy just throws the ball down the field. You want some vertical <laughs> throws? Go, go watch Clayton Toon tape because it's going down the field. Uh, he's going to be fun. And, and I think, you know, maybe just consistent accuracy is what team's going to be looking for for him. What are the things you're excited to see about Toon when you get him into these one-on-ones on, on the practice field and into game situations? Yeah, big, 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 good-looking kid. Um he, he was the first guy that came up to me at the, at the Manning camp the day I got there and uh, came right up. Like usually I go up to the players, but he came up, introduced himself, had a lot of presence to him. So just that one exposure alone, I think he's going to do really well in the interviews. Um, but good looking guy can throw it. Like you said, I think, you know, a little streakiness. I think there's some streakiness to his game, but uh, he's going to be down here with Tank Dell, really good receiver, really explosive, dynamic uh, slot receiver, returner. So at least in one-on-ones, he'll have chemistry with one guy in seven-on-sevens. But, uh, you know, what I do like about Clayton a lot, and I've said this repeatedly, like he's got that clutch. He's got that clutch ability. Um, when, when plays need to be made, he can make them. When, he, when, a drive, when he needs to make a drive, he can make a drive. Uh, there were a number of games like that this year where he, where he can bring a team back. Um, our scout, Walter Juliff, who did, who did Texas for us this year, long time, you know, 40 year NFL scout. Um, nobody knows that part of the country better than Walter. And I think the first game he was at this year was the UTSA game and, and Clayton let him down and, and let him to the win. And um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun week. I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much Houston football, some people in different parts of the country see, but uh, they're going to, this guy's got a lot of tools. There's no doubt. We'll move to a different position now. You know, Josh Wiley was a guy. Some people thought he was going to enter the 2022 draft when he had that great year for Cincinnati, had a foot injury. Am I incorrect or did I see that he's also listed as a fullback? Yeah, we didn't bring a true fullback this year, Tony. We had Hunter Lipke on the, from North Dakota right. State on the roster. He was really the only one we thought was draftable um, in this year's class, at least slam dunk draftable. I mean, there's some other guys in the fringes that, that could, but we thought Hunter was a lock. Uh, we had Hunter in the fourth round, um, and then he, he had an injury literally like the week after we went up to Fargo and gave him that invite, which is really unfortunate. But uh, but but no, so we're going to address that position with tight ends, which we've done in the past. Uh, with a, There's been a, a number of those guys. Uh, 
Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati went in the third to Green Bay. He was a he was a tight end. Uh, Trayvon Wesco from West Virginia went to the Jets in the fourth round. He was a he was a he was a he was a tight end. So there's been a number of those guys. So yeah, Wiley will play it. And, and you said he talked about coming out last year, and it was the foot. He got he got hurt in the bowl game. Uh, heard he probably would have come out. And uh, probably the best thing that he ended up coming back because he was really he was slim he was thin last year. Um, guy was in the like low two thirties. And uh, his agent just sent me a picture of him on the scale the other day. He's 248, 249 right there right now. So his body looks completely different. Um, best NIL story I heard all year, the agents hooked him up with a food delivery NIL deal this year. So this guy, Josh, just had food coming at the, at the doorstep <laughs> every day. And uh, it helped, helped him gain weight. So uh, he's going to be a guy that, you know, he's going to have a good week here. I know that. But he's going to have a good combine. He's going to jump in the upper 30s. He's going to be one of the best tested testers in this tight end class. So um, excited to get him down here and, and, and see what he can do. All right. I want to swap over to running backs here, Jim. Boy, Tajay Spears, you watch him. He's electric. Like he's, he can, yeah. you know, move on to, you know, change directions on the dime, acceleration, all that stuff. Just 5'11, 195. I'm not sure with the NFL now with, you know, so many split backfields that is that big of a deal. What are you hearing from scouts about Spears and, and exactly how they think he's going to get used in, in the NFL and, and what they want to see from him at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, really exciting player. Fun, really fun guy to watch. I think we, you know, two lanes right down the, right down the road from us, a couple hours in New Orleans, an easy drive. Uh, we at least had four or five different staff members go over and check Tajay out this year. And, and the, the staff there put him on our radar early. He is a junior. Um, he's a guy that had to graduate to, to uh, play in an all-star game, and he took care of business. And Favorite guy in the program. Um, they love him. Absolutely love this guy. That's why, you know, they gave him the invite in the locker room after uh, the last regular season game because his parents were at the game and they wanted to make that a special moment um, include his parents in that. But, yeah, great open. What I love about him, like you said, that he can stop on a dime, can really make you miss, and he's got a really good feel in the open field. Like some of the open field runs this year are some of the some of the coolest runs of the season. I do think he's an NFL starter. Um is he the 220 plus pound guy that everyone is looking for? No, but uh, neither is Tony Pollard, who we had in the game a few yeah. years ago as well. Um, you know, just if you are going to be, if you are going to give up some, you know, I'm going to say this, he's not Jamal Charles because Jamal, I was, I was in KC with Jamal. And I just thought about that because of like the open field stuff. Now Jamal had like world-class speed, one of the fastest players I've ever been around. He doesn't have that, but when he gets in the open field, just feeling pursuit, Feeling leverage, he's he's great at that. So I think he's a third down, uh, a three down back. Like I said, I think he's going to be a starter. Yeah, if he's your starter, you probably want to compliment, like a bigger back compliment to him. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't. Again, I don't know how many how many people out there watch Tulane football. The AAC conference just, you know, it's it's group of five, and, and a lot of college football fans focus on the on the Power Five. So um, this could be kind of the. I think the Cotton Bowl was the coming out party with his five touchdowns. And uh, hopefully the uh, Senior Bowl week, week will be a continuation of that. Talk about bigger backs who are electric. Kenny McIntosh of Georgia, who had some had some magnificent runs the past two years. I think if, if there is a, a red flag is he's very streaky. I mean, at times, like to say, you know, at times he looks like a world beater. Other times, you know, he disappears. And I'm sure he's going to be asked about that. What do you think McIntosh has to show at the uh, Senior Bowl really to keep that uh, that basically high draft grade that scouts thought he was capable of. 
Yeah, he's our he's our highest graded back. Um, and he was going all the way back to last spring. And I, Tony, I'm just glad we finally broke through in that Georgia running back room. That was a <laughs> that's been a tough nut to crack. You know, I he, I was still with the Seahawks, but like when Sony and, and Nick came out of there, Senior Bowl didn't get either of them. Last year we could have Zamir White was a junior grad. We didn't get Zamir White. We had James Cook up until about the week before the, the game, and his agent pulled him out. Um, so to finally get a Georgia back is it's it's uh it's exciting. We finally cracked that nut. But he, you know, he's an explosive back. He's a three-down back. I think we saw in that Ohio State college uh, the 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 semifinal game. You know, when they just threw that bubble out to him, and and man, it, I mean, his first step explosion for a big back is is pretty pretty cool. They throw it to him a lot. Um, again, he's another guy I think projects as an NFL starter. Yeah. And I think with the streakiness you're talking about, it, they just use him in heavy rotation there. You know, yeah. it's like. They, some guy gets hot and they, they kind of feed him and it depends on who gets hot early in that offense. And uh, I think that's a big reason why Kenny wanted to come here is to get a high volume of work during the week and let the teams, let the team see him, you know, just more reps, you know, even though he's a four-year player at Georgia, um, I feel like Kenny felt like there was more to prove. You want to jump to the wide receivers here, Tone? Sure. Uh, small school guy, Andre Yashovis from Princeton. Guy close to my heart because he's a great athlete. He's, he's a decathlon, decathlete. I was actually a decathlete for train for the Olympics for 10 years, so I know I'm going to have a lot to talk to him about the, the track and field world. But, I mean, a guy who you can see the athleticism on the field, he's a little bit raw. I mean, I got to imagine that, uh, you know, three days of practice, scouts are going to be really inspecting his route running, his ability to separate through the routes, his balance, uh, as well as his hands. You know he's got the athleticism. Yeah, Tony, that's a uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, NCAA heptathlon champion. So the guys, yeah, I mean, he's a he's kind of a do it all athlete. And and when you talk about athletes, like he's the kind of guy that I think will look different in Thursday's practice than Tuesday's because yeah. really high end athletes can apply coaching points quicker than you know average athletes. When you get a guy with his athleticism, you get a couple coaching points in there that maybe he didn't get in college. You can see adjustments made quicker. So I think Thursday in the game could look could look better even than, than Tuesday and Wednesday, but he comes into the game. The most of the league has him in the fourth and fifth round, which is exactly where they had Christian Watson last year. I didn't talk to a single team last year going into senior bowl week that had a day two grade on Christian. And, uh, you know, we see what happened. He had a great week here. He runs, his, you know, he runs his butt off at the combine and he goes 34th overall. So I, I don't want to peg that on Andre. That's a massive jump, you know, a three, four round jump. But um, I do think he can help himself significantly down here. You know, let's let's go over to Rishi Rice at SMU. So productive, 96 catches, 1,300 yards, bigger guy, 6'3". And I'm looking forward to the one-on-ones, Jim, to see how well he can separate against maybe some of these quicker and faster corners. Yeah, that's been a – you talk about a room that has been good to us, unlike the Georgia running back room. that Well, the, the skill group at SMU over the years with, like, you know, Danny Gray and Grant Kelsaterra and, and – there's been a bunch of them. I think we've had two or three tight ends and two or three wide odds. James Prochet, just in my time here at the senior bowl. But yeah, Rashi is, uh, and that's going to be the question is like true top of route separation ability, but uh big, strong guy, good after the catch, really good at the catch point. Um, he's one of those guys that you just, you can put the ball up to and he can go up and get it. I think we saw that in the Maryland game. There was, we had a scout at that Maryland game and he, he kept blowing me up. You know, it seemed like after every one of Rashi's catches, he was texting me. I'm like, another one, like, let me just let me let, let's see the tape on Monday, man. I, I get it. He, he can catch. Uh, but no, he's, he's fun to watch some of that stuff. But you're right. You're right. I think I think the focus is going to be what uh, 
what that short area separation ability is going to look like. Tony, you want to hit Charlie Jones? Yeah, well, I mean, Charlie Jones, a guy who bounced around, finally found a home at Purdue, uh, had a great connection with Aiden O'Connell. You know, not a guy who, say, jumps off the film for me as, as far as a, a great athlete the way Yashovis of Princeton does, but, you know, just an outstanding pass catcher. It's great to see that he'll be competing at the senior ball. Yeah, it's a it's a great example of a guy, and there's a, there's a few guys in the game that, that – have this day on Henley from Washington state guys that really use the portal. Well, you know, he made a good decision. Obviously it was probably a no brainer for Charlie. I'm guessing since he was, he was buddies from uh, little league time with Aiden O'Connell. Um, but uh, just talking to the Iowa staff before the season started, you know, I'm like, talk to me about, about Charlie. I saw that he just, you know, left and went to Purdue and they said, he's probably along with Riley Moss uh, were the two fastest kids in the Iowa program. So they think Charlie could run high four threes. Um, if you look at Riley Moss's 110-meter uh, high hurdle time at 13.85, was 10th best in the entire country his senior year. That's blazing. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but it, the people that think that Riley Moss is a safety because he's white, I mean, that's a pretty lazy pretty lazy uh, thing. Riley's going Riley's gonna to smoke, and so is Charlie. Those guys can both really run. And super productive. I mean, he caught the ball really consistently. He had a nice chemistry with Aiden. And, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, he's a guy I think is going to have a really good process. Uh, jump, I'll jump to tight ends right here quick, Jim. I want to ask about Luke Musgrave. You know, he didn't have a lot of production this year. Just played in two games because of an injury, knee injury earlier in the year. But you watch him on tape. He can move, man. Like, he looks like a very good athlete. And I think in these one-on-one -on -one drills this week, uh, he could really show up and do a lot of damage. Yeah, if you if we wanted to do like betting favorites of who's going to make the biggest jump or be the be a buzz guy coming out of Senior Bowl week, Luke Musgrave might be the odds-on favorite in my opinion. Um, only played a couple games this year because of injury. It's been rehabbing hard to get back and get down here to Mobile, um, so we're excited to get him. But you're right, six six two sixty. There's people up there at Oregon State that think he could touch in the high four fours, which if he does that, I mean wow. that's. Yeah, it's that's pretty wild stuff. So I know that everyone's got Michael Mayer from Notre Dame pegged as the number one tight end in the draft. And he's a really good player, taking nothing away from him. I actually haven't studied him a whole ton because he, he wasn't eligible for senior bowl. And I don't have a lot of time to watch guys that can't play in the game. But uh, but talking to guys around the league, I think that that's more of a that's that's more that that thing's up in the air more than than you're seeing in the media right now. I think that Dalton Kincaid's in that mix, too. And unfortunately, Dalton got hurt and he won't be able to. He got hurt in uh, the last game, and he's good. he might be out the whole process. Um, so we don't know there. But I think Dalton Kincaid and, and Musgrave both are going to give uh, Michael Mayer from, from Notre Dame a run for his money by the time we get to April. Talk about big athletes who can run uh, and a position switch. Uh, Elijah Higgins, uh, who was basically a, a receiver at Stanford, is, I, I'm assuming, or I've seen, is listed as a tight end uh, for the senior bowl. Guy like that who makes a transition from wide receiver to tight end. Is he asked to do a lot of inline blocking? Is he is he going to be a move tight end, or, or what? What are you looking for, or what do they do as far as putting him in a position to block? Yeah, he's he's going to be a wide out, Tony. And again, okay. I know on the on the roster reveal show on NFL Network, they they put him on with uh, the tight end graphic, and um, that was a typo. They shouldn't. Have, <laughs> we, we had some <laughs> See, mix you up us. there. <laughs> yeah, we 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 had a mix up there, but no, he'll be with the wide out group and. And there's only three tight ends on that group. So he might get a little work in there because we want to, we want to show the teams what they want to see. 
And there are some teams going through, you know, when we do our grade sharing calls with the teams and before we send invites out, I mean, there were some teams that think he's got some H ability, some miss, because what he is is a big mismatch. You're 235 pounds. Um, and there's some GPS stuff coming out of UCL or, you know, in the UCLA game last year where, you know, he's hitting 22 plus at 235 pounds. So um, this guy can really, really run. And so, yeah, it, will you play him in the slot, call him whatever you want to call him. You're going to move him around and try to get him on linebackers. And um, so, but he's going to be down here in the wide, he's going to be in the wide receiver room. Uh, but yeah, he might, you know, depending on what, what the coaching staff wants to do on the, uh, on the national side, Ronald Curry, uh, the offensive coordinator. If I were him, I, I'd move him around a little bit. But you wow. won't be do you won't be seeing him in any like inline blocking drills, um, unless unless the coaching staff surprises me. I don't I don't think he'll be doing any of that. Well, I mean, a guy two hundred thirty five pounds, like you say, you want to get him on linebackers. But if he's playing safety, he's probably going to have a difficult uh, time uh, separating. So, uh, I, I mean, tight end may be in his future because he's probably going to get larger before he gets uh, smaller at, at that age. Yeah, well, it. He would have the speed factor over most safeties. There's not too many safeties that are hitting 22 on a GPS. So if he's running verticals on safeties, um, he's going to blow by him. All right, let's do, the, hit a couple of old lines, Tony. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, go to the offensive line. Guys uh, just wondering about their positions. Nick Broker, who was a real good left tackle for Mississippi, was kicked inside the guard this year. And then you got Jalen uh, Duncan from Maryland, who was a terrific left tackle for, uh, what, three years now. Uh, four years now with, with the Terrapins at left tackle. I mean, maybe he kicks inside to as a zone blocking guard. What is your breakdown uh, of for those two guys? And what do you think we're going to see him senior bowl week? Yeah. Nick's Nick uh, broker is going to be more inside. You're right. He was a left tackle and I'll give it to the old Miss staff. I saw Nick at sec media days this year. And I said to him like, now you're going to be ready to move inside and play some guard during senior bowl week. Right. And, uh, he was like, Jim, they already moved me. So he, uh, you know, his arms, his arms got measured a little shorter than I think they're, you know, 32 and a half or, or just under 33 inches. And um, in credit to Lane Kiffin, they made that move really to help to help Nick get a jump on on his pro projection. So that was that was cool that they all missed staff to do that. So we've seen a whole a whole year inside at guard. That's where he'll be mostly. Um you know, he'll probably he'll probably do a little bit a little bit of center too. I think that's going to be Nick's calling card at the next level is being a, a really versatile guy. And then with, with Jalen Duncan, I we've got some really good tackles in this game, but I think Jalen, in terms of fitting the prototype left tackle athlete mold, I, I think it's Jalen. Um, you know, Darnell Wright, Dewan Jones from from Tennessee and Ohio State, those guys are more right tackles and immediate day one starting right tackles. But but Jalen, you watch his game; he is a He's a very good athlete or higher on any grading scale. He's going to be a seven-level athlete or higher. Uh, really nice feet. Can just just stay in front of people. It's easy for him. Uh, again, we talked about a couple other guys with consistency. I think that's that's the thing with Jalen. Like, you know, just bringing it every game, the physicality, the finish every game. Um, he's got, you know, he's got something to prove that way. I hope he comes down here with a little chip on his shoulder because I think he's heard that. I think he's heard that from scouts that have been through the building. Um, but he's got a ton of things athletically you just can't coach. How about Osiris Torrance? He's another guy, Jim, that I thought used the transfer portal really well. King, you know, was good at Louisiana Lafayette, goes to a big program, and then, boy, he showed off that power and the ability to move defenders all year. Yeah, that was that was Billy Napier's best recruiting job last year was getting Cybo to, to, to leave uh, Lafayette with him. 
but they did a great job in that room when, when Billy was at Lafayette. I mean, you look at the guy, Robert Hunt, we had committed to the game before he had to pull with an injury. And then last year we had Max Mitchell. Now Saibo's coming to town. And, uh, you know, I don't think he fits all 32 teams. Um, and when you get into like backup level players, that can force a guy to slide. But there's going to be, you know, he's going to be more of a gap scheme uh, player. But the teams that play with those guys, and again, I kind of default to my my Seahawks background. They drafted a guy, Damian Lewis, from our game from LSU a couple of years ago. And Damian's been a starter from day one. Really good player for them. Um, this guy's going to fit. The Baltimore Ravens is another team that kind of comes to mind. But this guy, you know, he'd come off the ball and move you. And in pass protection, he's not going to get pushed. You know, he's going to set a deep pocket. He can play square. He's not going to get his edges worked. And he's he's going to do things in the run game to, to cave people. So, um, yeah, in terms of the interior group, um, he's going to be, you know, I'm sure for most teams, Saibo's right up there at the you know top of that that guard column. And again, he might only be a guard only. I don't know if Saibo can play center or tackle. Um, but if you're just going to be a one-position guy, you better be a starter and you better be a good one. And thank God Saibo's – that's what Saibo projects as is a, is a really good starting guard. You know, I, I mentioned in the beginning there are a couple of players in the game that have basically gone by the wayside or ignored – uh, and now they're in the senior bowl. And one of my favorites is Asim As- As- Richards from uh, North Carolina, who's been a starting left tackle there for what, three years? And he's blocked. He's protected the blind side for some really good quarterbacks or guys that are going to be projected to go uh, early in-, in the draft in future years. I think he's done a terrific job. What's your projection on him? Is he going to play left tackle? Is he going to move inside to guard? Uh, regardless, I think he's going to be, uh, he- he's a terrific prospect at either position. Yeah, you're right, Tony. He's played left. Um, I think you'll see him play both tackle spots and probably some guard. Um, I think the more you can do down here. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago with, uh, uh, geez, with the Bucks. I'm, I'm blanking now. Uh, starting Allie center Market. for Tampa. Oh, uh, uh, Gedeke? No, not Luke. Um, from from Notre Dame, uh, the right the right tackle uh, came down here a couple of years ago. And had never played center before and was a right tackle. I'm, now I'm totally blanking the more I'm getting into this question. But uh, he, he played center during the week. He'd never done it in a competitive environment and came down here, looked better at center than he'd ever looked at guard or tackle um, at Notre Dame and got drafted in the third round, came down here like a sixth round pick. So a Sim's going to do the same thing. We're going to move him around and see where he, where he fits best. But uh, the thing you like, you like the athlete and you like the length. He's got 34 inch arms and he can move. And really when he gets out in space, some of his best stuff yeah. is second level stuff, perimeter stuff. Um, he can get out there and he can keep his body on people. So again, that was kind of a late ad for us because, you know, just talking to the North Carolina staff, that's a guy they were trying to get back. And that's that we were talking about the roster build part earlier, John, and you were asking how NIL affected it and everything. Like we had to be really mindful of our relationships at the college level with these coaches. Like we weren't going to send invites out if we got word that, that a team was trying to keep a player like Max Duggan, you know, we talking to the guys at TCU all fall and they, they really wanted to keep Max. Um, so we kind of played that along with them and didn't send an invite until the appropriate time. And the same thing that happened with North Carolina, uh, we got some, you know, real close ties on that staff and they were, they were trying to, trying to get him back. And when it got to the point where they didn't think they would, then it was okay, go ahead and send him, <laughs> go ahead and send him the invite now. So um uh, so yeah, we, that's that's how we'll use them. We'll, we'll move uh, Richards around a bunch. All right, I'll jump to the defensive line. You mentioned Notre Dame, Isaiah Foskey. You know, a guy with a lot of production, and he's like your old school defensive end, right? He's not like this twitched up, two hundred forty two pound guy that's going to bend and you know be a crazy athlete. But he's long, he's strong, and I think he's going to be a really solid NFL player for a long time. 
Yeah, the Bucks offensive lineman with Robert Hainsey. It just popped hey, into my head um, when you said when you said Notre Dame. So <laughs> sorry, Robert, if you by any chance you're watching a Giants podcast, but uh but no, no. So uh Fosky was a big get for us because he is a junior. You know, we really like to get those underclassmen in the game. It's been a huge thing for our rosters over the years. I think two years ago we had 16, last year we had 12. Um, but double digit sack guy each of the last two years at Notre Dame. And like you said, I mean in terms of like the overall athlete, are there guys in this group that maybe could move better? Like if you watch him drop um, like a DJ Johnson from Oregon, I think if you drop the two guys, I think DJ might look a little better doing that. Um, talking to the guys in training, he's out there training with Will Anderson from Alabama and some, some other really good players. And, and just, you know, talking to the, to the trainers out there, they think Foskey has a chance to dip into the high four fours. So wow. they think, they think he's going to be a four or five guy all day long which with that size with that sack production running a four or five all you got to do is go back and historically look at what those guys tend to do with those measurables and that production um he's certainly i mean those guys don't fall out of the top 50 picks very often so uh excited to get him down here i think one-on-ones are big i think he's really looking forward to one-on-ones um and showing some stuff that maybe we haven't seen but to me he's a guy when you put him on he knows how to rush the passer like he just knows he has a plan he, he has a you know he has a nice feel for counters. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I haven't had a chance to see Isaiah play live. So this will be my first live exposure to him. I've, my son's been playing high school football the last two years down here. So I've been landlocked in SEC country for two falls just watching <laughs> SEC games on Saturdays because I'm, I'm at a high school football stadium on Friday night. So excited to see excited to see uh, Isaiah. Two lesser names uh, or lesser known names, not lesser names. I apologize. Lesser known names on the defensive line. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. I mean, here's the guy who went back for a second senior season. If you watch Bowling Green, this guy's explosive. He's athletic. He gets behind the line of scrimmage. Good change of direction. Gets down the line of scrimmage in pursuit. I mean, talk a little bit about him. Is he a defensive tackle? Is he a three-tack? Is he a two-gap end? Uh, he's a football player. And he's been a real good football player who people don't pay attention to and they really should. Yeah, you know, his his head coach, Scott Leffler, and I are, are buddies from college. And so Scott's been talking about this guy for a couple of years with me. Yeah. And um, he's a little a little bit like Keon White, who we have in our game from Georgia Tech, in the sense that um, they both play on the edge a bunch. They both reduce inside some. Um, and they both are – they move like smaller men. You know, I know that – I think Brooks well, – last time I hit up Scott, Brooks – this was like a month ago. Brooks was like 292. Um, last time I checked in Georgia Tech, Keon was 293. And when you see them coming off the edge and doing some of the things, like you said, playing down the line of scrimmage, chasing, they look like 265, 270-pound guys. I mean, I, I couldn't believe when I heard that Brooks was over 290. Um, he, did, he does not look that thick and girthy on tape, at least. Uh, but you're right. He, makes, he gets in the backfield. He makes plays in the backfield. He just, he's not just a disruptor. He's a, he's a finisher when he gets back there. Another guy who's not going to be uh, criticized for being a little bit too small is Jared Clark of, of Coastal Carolina, a big man who is very is nimble for, for a 335-pound guy. He's quick and he's explosive. With a guy like Jared Clark, who's, you know, your zero-technique nose tackle, are, do coaches put him – are you good, are they do they employ a 3-4 type line to see what Jared Clark can do? Or if it's a four-man line, Jared Clark has just got to, you know, roll with it. No, we're an even front game. We always have been. It's it's really hard 
um, I talked with the, with the two coaching staffs, the two head coaches that came in for this year's game. It's really hard to deploy an odd front in a practice week and teach these guys because they're going to be seeing one thing in the game. You know, they're going to be going against a three, four look in the game and in, in practice and then see an even look in the game. And that's, it's really hard, especially on the offensive line to teach that in one week. Um, so we stay consistent on both teams and, uh, and with Jared. Yeah. I think you can play zero nose. I think you play one. Uh, I think it could be a big five technique. When I was in Seattle, we had a guy, Red Bryant, um, who was similar size to Jared, was just a, a really good big five tech. So um, thing I like about him, he's a, he's a tight end, um, and he just kept growing and getting bigger. I think you see some of that. I, I think I think Jared, if he if he fits up a little bit, you know, I think he's going to change his body a little bit. But there's an athlete in there because he even in his stance, you can see it in his stance. The kid has flexibility. Yeah. Um, and if he's one of those guys to me, Tony, that if you grade the flash plays, you get really excited about it. Yeah. Um, he's got, he can push the pocket. He does have upfield explosion. He's not just a two down plugger. Um, so there's upside to the player. And I think that it, this is a big, this is a big week for Jared Clark. Um, he's got a chance to really ascend against, against better people. Cause again, in the Sun Belt, he's just not seeing the guys he's going to see down here this week. Move to linebacker. You know, last year, DeMarco Jackson of Appalachian State had a real good week and helped himself. You got another uh, linebacker from Appalachian State in uh, Nick Hampton, who uh, is very well thought of. And, and I think he's more of a three-down guy, or at least going into – we didn't think, say, DeMarco Jackson was a three-down guy based off the college film. And then, boom, he, he exploded uh, – as did that did as much during uh, last year's senior bowl. You know, you look at the way Appalachian State uses Hampton primarily more up at the line of scrimmage, and you know maybe he's two hundred thirty pounds. So I got to assume that a lot of Nick Hampton, his results are going to be based on what he shows moving in reverse. Never mind, just because we know he can move up the field so well. Yeah, Nick's been Nick's been our highest graded Group of Five defender going going back to last spring. Um, Long, explosive, high upside guy. I don't think like even talking to teams through the fall, they're like, Jim, he's, you know, most teams are probably going to have third round grades on him coming off the tape. And then he'll leave mobile and everyone will move him up to the second because he's got legitimate rush talent, uh, legitimate rush talent. We saw that against good people um, early in the year, A&M in, in North Carolina. Um, he can get after it. He's a good athlete. Yeah. You don't see him drop a lot. So he'll be doing some of that. But again, my my philosophy with those guys, if they're that good going forward and they can impact the quarterback, why are we dropping them all that much? So that was uh, like when I was in Seattle, we drop whenever we drop Bruce Irvin, I'm like why are we dropping Bruce Irvin? Like he's his thing is going to going to get the quarterback. So uh, no, Nick's 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 again another guy I think is going to stand out in one on ones because he's uh, he's a natural pass rusher. You know, Jim, and I think that goes to the next two guys, and you mentioned this in one of your first answers to Tony at the start of the podcast. You know, Isaiah Land and Will McDonald, two guys that were pass rushers in college, right? One's 220, one's 230. What do you hear from NFL teams? You know, we've seen the transition in linebacker finally. You see 225-pound linebackers running around. Are we seeing NFL teams get more comfortable using 230-pound guys on the edge more situationally? Or do they want to see them in more of that off-ball role? Yeah, they, those are two guys that we put in as linebackers because of, because of the weight. Right. I mean, Isaiah, Isaiah, for instance, you know, again, we get a lot of we get a lot of traffic coming through Mobile from the Tallahassee guys going from Florida State and Florida A&M over here to South Alabama. So they'll stop by the office and 
I mean, Isaiah's weight, you know, people were telling anywhere between 207 and 217 this year. And wow. he had 19, he had 19 sacks as a junior yeah. and he's got, he's got natural movement to his rush game, but th- you got to get bigger than that. So to me, for Isaiah, like, it'll be interesting. It's really hard because he knows he has to gain weight and he's got to do it in a short amount of time. So sometimes when guys do that, it's that not means. great. Wa- it's not great weight. Um, you know, so it, it is a big week for Isaiah. Again, Buck Buchanan award winner as a junior. Um, this year, the numbers weren't quite the same. He didn't get that award. Um, but it's going to be interesting. But no, they, to answer your question, and, and and Will McDonald's in the same category. I mean, 30-plus sacks in college in, in the Big 12. Um, you know, 6'9", high jumper in high school. I mean, the dude's explosive athlete. Uh, but the, they, the league, they want to play with 255, 260-pound men. You have to hold up against 310 pound tackles in the run game or you're just a dpr you know and that's fine i mean there's a role for those guys but if you really want to get drafted high and be a you know a, a, a starting level player they're both of those guys are going to have to get get bigger and, and again sometimes it's hard for guys i've heard will mcdonald has a hard time putting on weight so um you know to me it's if, as a, from a scout's perspective like you just want to see them trending in the right direction so like if scouts went through famu in the fall and isaiah was 217 shows up to Mobile 227, shows up at the Combine 235. Now at least you're seeing a, a steady progression. And then you think by you're just projecting out to next August, maybe you got him to 245. And then he might then he might then he might have a chance. And then by his third year, but you might have him to 255, 260. Right. Just just with some natural uh maturation weight. But uh yeah, both those guys kind of fall in the same category, like undersized but 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 legitimate rush 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 talent. You know, one last linebacker I want to talk about, and a player who I feel, some like some of the other guys I mentioned, do not get the respect that they deserve, and I think they're going to blow it up in Senior Bowl week. Dorian Williams of Tulane, who's been a terrific linebacker three years, 126 tackles last year, 73 as a junior, 98 as a sophomore when he jumped on my board as a draftable prospect, and really showed a complete game this year. I mean, it was good, not only against the run, but also showed the ability to make plays and coverage. I think this is going to be a a real huge week where people, like you say, maybe earlier, don't watch Tulane. They're going to become very acquainted with Dorian Williams very quickly during Senior Bowl week. Yeah, you nailed it, Tony. I mean, the coverage piece is what he he added this year. And again, he he jumped out for us, and it was the COVID year because we were over there uh, scouting Cam Sample, who came to the game and went to it. And I, I think Cam had a great week here. I think he went in the sixth round to Cincinnati. Um, but uh, Dorian just stood out that day just with his motor. Uh, you saw this undersized backer just flying sideline to sideline and uh, had to look down at the flip card and be like, oh, my God, the kid's a sophomore. <laughs> like This guy's got a couple more years. And, and uh, you know, we post the videos throughout the fall when our scouts go to the games during pregame because I'm really trying to, as you guys know, the, the body type is such an important overlooked part of an evaluation. I mean, it's, it's really critical to how a guy is built. And uh, Dorian's interesting. He looks like a safety from the waist down, and he looks like a legit linebacker from the waist up. He's a little, he's a little top heavy in his build, but, and you know, that's where you see kind of the safety background. This guy can really run. I mean, he's the speed linebacker everyone's looking for. Like you said, he's been around the ball. He's been highly productive and, and the coverage stuff got better this year. He's got really nice awareness, uh, developed really nice awareness. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you. I think he's a guy that's, that's going to turn heads and, and get on more radars. All right, let's jump over to the DBs real quick, Jim. We appreciate all the time. I know we're going a little long here. Um, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, good size guy, you know, played what I watched yesterday, plays a lot of off, a lot of cover three. I think 
him in the one-on-one drills, I think it'll be fun to see if that athleticism can transfer a little bit. Yeah. Big guy that plays a lot of off. So I, I want to see what he looks like playing, playing press, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, but for a bigger guy, he has a trigger and he's physical. Um, you know, so when he closes on, when he closes on receivers, he can get the ball out uh, when he's playing stuff in front. And so you're right. One-on-ones, it'll be interesting to see from a technique standpoint, like where he's at with his press technique and how comfortable and patient he is. Cause uh, they're going to be doing a lot of that. They're going to be doing a lot of that. And, and a, a lot of it's to see those guys. And a lot of it's to see the receivers on how they handle press because they don't outside of the sec, you don't see a lot of teams playing press man. So uh, yeah, Ty- Tyreek's one of the, the one of the better big corners in the draft. And uh, there's a little bit of a grade variance on him right now around the league. You know, there's, there's a little bit of a split there. You know, some teams are, you know, from like that third to fifth range on, on Tyreek. Sometimes, you know, depending on the, the prospect, I mean, sometimes it's really, really zeroed in on like a round or two. And other guys, there's more of a variance. But uh, but Tyreek could have a big week. I really think the press stuff could help him. You know, you, you kind of beat me uh, to the punch with this guy earlier. Riley Moss of Iowa, because when you watch the film of Riley Moss, all he's doing is making plays when the ball's in the air. He's getting his head back around in the short field, down the field. Yeah, people want to stereotype him. I mean, how high do you think Riley Morse can go or improve his draft stock coming out of uh, Senior Bowl week? Because he's been a terrific player for three years at Iowa. Yeah, Riley was the guy we had We had committed a game last year, um, and he was the Big Ten DB of the year. Had four picks and a couple, a couple pick sixes. And, um, you know, give it to the staff at Iowa. They, talk, they somehow talked to a guy into coming back. So, um you know, we were talking about this on a, on a Zoom call that we had. Uh, basically, we set up for the ESPN guys and the NFL Network guys last week um, to go over the whole roster. And and I sat on that and talked about every guy for two and a half hours. They probably all took bathroom breaks and tuned me out after a while. But uh, <laughs> but no, when it, so I was talking about Riley and I was talking about how there's this lazy narrative out there, how, you know, he's got to be a safety. And it's all because he's white um, and a, a prominent member of the ESPN crew. Um, jumped in and he was like, you know, that's absolute BS. He's like, I, I did two of these guys, this guy's games this year. He's one of the most fluid athletes I saw all year live. So like anyone that's doing that stereotype and is just completely off base. So I think Riley right now for most teams is in that fourth round area. Uh, but again, I think if you just look at the high school track background and maybe I'm, I do this more maybe because my dad was a high school track coach in, in addition to being a football coach. So um 1385 is rolling in the 110 high hurdles so um i think riley could run in the four threes and you get a corner that's played that much football and has that much ball production running in the four threes those guys usually don't get out of day two let me ask you this about moss real quick and and i'm gonna put you in a spot here is he a nickel at the next level or does he have starting potential um yeah, I think he's got starting potential. Um, I would, I wouldn't. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. You know, I, I think he's more of an outside corner. Um, I don't know if he's got that short area quickness to be to be an elite slot. But I mean, teams teams use slots differently nowadays too. So, um, I'd, I'd, if I were projecting him, you know, for a team, I'd, I'd write him as an outside corner. Real quick, a couple safeties here, Jim. Uh, Jamie Robinson out of Florida State, safety slot guy, like both. I, I watched my tape, man. I mean, his moving skills are tremendous. Yeah, football player, man. Football <laughs> player. Um, fun guy to watch. That's uh, that's to me. That I always tell players, you know, when I was a scout and I'd meet with guys, like, 
biggest compliment you can give a player is that he's fun to watch on tape. Jamie, Jamie's urgent. Um, you know, he darts around. He's got that darter quality to him. Like he'll just knife through the box and light somebody up. Um, he's got a lot of Jalen Petrie comparisons and, and, uh, I see that. I, I think there's some of that, you know, I think Jalen last year really helped himself senior bowl week because he was mainly like an underneath zone player, yep. um, blitzer in the Baylor scheme. And that's why he had 17 and a half tackles for loss or whatever he had. And then he comes to senior bowl and he is manned against tight ends. He is playing off. He is playing deep from the hash. And you saw the speed because I think, I think Jalen ended up running like four, four, six. Um, and that, that, you know, at the combine, I think that speed really showed up and, and Jamie's going to be the same way. They're, they're similar guys, but, uh, to me, he's a guy that could play nickel. He could play. He's kind of interchangeable at safety. He's got some free. He's got some strong because he will he will knife down and, and he's got toughness and run support. So uh, just a fun guy to watch. You know, you talk about fun guys to watch and you talk about Jalen Petrie. Talk about another safety that's going to be at the senior bowl, Sidney Brown of Illinois. I, I mean, this guy plays big boy football. He is willing to get – he throws his body around the field. He's decent in coverage. He's not, he's not a liability in coverage. Covers a lot of area. Good instincts. Really looking forward to seeing him. And it's again. I mean, I remember Petrie. Petrie was was shutting down shutting down opponents in one on ones last year. If Sidney Brown has that ability. Sidney Brown's going to watch his draft stock take off. Yeah, no doubt. So Sidney's brought you know twin brother Chase is coming down to play play running back. Chase got Chase got most of the pub this year um, as he should. You're right, but Sidney was overlooked, and you know he's back there with Witherspoon and Quan Martin and um, unbelievable secondary they had this year, but. Uh, I'll admit it. Like you know, when I started watching Sydney over the summer, like I, I saw a strong safety, kind of more of a box guy, a guy that you'd be really fired up about drafting. And, and you know, he's going to be a really good core teams player because of his play style, um, really aggressive and physical. And then we get to the second half of this year and he, he just starts turning the ball over. I think he ended up with seven interceptions this year. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's an insane number for a college player. You don't see many college guys get seven picks in one year. So, um, yeah, he's had a great year. I think I think Sydney's is just he's doing this, and um, I I just love when I watch tape of guys like Sydney. I always think about what it's going to look like on our practice field, and just the energy level and the competitiveness, and having other guys feed off that. Like you need some of those guys um, down here. We need some of those guys, and and uh, so it'll be good having Sydney out there because I know he's going to bring juice. That's Jim Nagy joining us on Draft Season, brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand, an official partner of the New York Football Giants. He's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. We'll be out there next week. We can't wait to see you, Jim. Thank you so much for being generous with your time. I know you got a lot going on. Get back to work, and we'll see you next week, all right? All right, John. Th thanks, Tony. Appreciate you guys having me back on. See all right, we'll see you, you next time on Draft Season.